Hi, and uh, welcome to Firsties with Reba and Ross. I'm Ross. I'm Reba. And uh, this week we're starting a new show. Uh, we finished up Venture Brothers on our last episode. Uh, we put it out to a vote. <laughs> there weren't too many votes this time in general, so Pete yeah. and Pete won with two votes. Awesome. <laughs> Good. So um, this is kind of a cool show for it, I think, because, uh, well, for one, everybody can watch it. Um, right. We won't really, or we probably won't have to worry about these being taken offline because of licensing deals, like what happened midway through with Venture Brothers last time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nickelodeon's been really cool about people just posting these to YouTube. So uh, right. most likely I'll just post a link to whatever episode uh, or whatever episodes we cover so people can easily find them online, whether or not they have the DVD. Yeah. Um, I'd still, you know, recommend getting the DVD if you can, but it's it's not like as premium of a package as some out there. It's uh, very much that Nickelodeon wanted to make some money off of its older shows and kind of gave up doing it after season two. Oh yeah. There's one episode on here that you can tell they just transferred from some old VHS. Like there's a tracking problem at some point. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So you can tell not not the most care went on to it, mm. but uh. If it weren't for those DVDs, a lot of these episodes probably wouldn't be online. Really? A lot of them are transfers, or you, you can kind of tell they're just yeah. whatever people took from the discs. But again, Nickelodeon seems okay with that. So, um, so our first episode, we're covering two of the specials. We decided since there's only eight episodes in season one, and there's five half-hour specials, we might as well cover the specials first. Yeah. Because those were, they're really episodes of the show just before it had gotten like a series order. Yeah. So they were only doing like two a year or so for a couple years and mm -hmm. yeah, eventually got picked up. So it's, they're kind of interesting. Uh, the first, first episode that we're doing is a uh, Valentine's Day Massacre and the second is what we did on our summer vacation. So yeah, if you haven't checked those out and you'd like to before we talk about it, go seek those out now. <laughs> um. Otherwise, yeah, I guess we'll we can start talking. Yeah, okay. start talking about the episodes. So Valentine's Day Massacre. Did you remember this episode at all? I don't think so. Yeah, I, like it, it's been a little yeah. while. <laughs> it had been. I mean, it came out in 1991. Yeah. So, other than maybe catching it on a rerun, like, right? Probably didn't even see it. At yeah, the time. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't really remember it. Yeah. It's an interesting one because you can tell that they're still kind of transitioning from like shorts to a half hour right. time or a half hour format because like there's so much going on in the beginning and stuff like just introducing right. different ideas about like oh my dad loves or, uh, discus and wanted me to be a discus thrower so right. we did this and I accidentally killed the school squid so we buried it at the 50 yard line but yeah but you know it's it's pretty funny and I it. What I like about the show, kind of in general, is the way that it's taking all these like kind of everyday things or things that kids can all relate to and just mm -hmm. heightening them right. enough. Yeah. So like, yeah, the the you know, dad putting pressure on a kid to be like them is something a lot of kids feel. I think. Yeah. But in this case, it's like a discus thrower, which is just just is... weird and off enough. Yeah, that's that's what I love about Pete and Pete, like, cause that's. And that's all it is. It's like the weirder parts of 
of real life that it, it get exaggerated. Yeah, and and the like, way that it it like captures the feel of being a kid, and like there's so many things you don't really know and understand that feel like kind of strange, that just yeah. like peek in or like into your normal everyday school existence. Right. So it's like it's heightening those and making them more like not supernatural but like silly and weird but yeah it has that feeling i think they get they do that really well mm-hmm. i i've heard some people our age who didn't really appreciate the show much as kids or you're like oh i feel like it's more of a show aimed at adults about kids i don't feel like it's i don't that well, yeah <laughs> i definitely i like watching it now i can see like if I were a kid, and I did love this show when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but if if I were a kid now watching this show, I'd still love it because it's because it's there are so many things that that you're right that kid that they don't really get, but it's kind of explaining it in their way. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's a show that you really enjoy as a kid, but maybe don't see why so much yeah. like like it's easier with other shows or there are a lot of kids shows that are just like as broad and crazy and like bright as they can be just because like kids love exaggeration and all yeah. that but i i do think that pete to pete, pete and pete is speaking to kids in a kind of a different dialogue than a lot of other shows right do. I, I agree but uh, uh so yeah like you immediately see that with this episode where you've got the discus thing you've got the squid as the school mascot and it's like what what school, what school has an actual school? squid yeah. as a school mascot right but it's it's a funny little detail uh it, i i thought that this episode settled kind of as it went on or started to kind of feel less like just like random beats and more like a full story like it was right it's fairly well structured as it, it was went on. it was it tied a lot of things together as it went on that were kind of odd yeah yeah know? well and i like again like you can tell that these are people who've been thinking in terms of just like funny ideas and one-off things for a long time mm-hmm. so a lot of that does pepper the episode even as like it starts to get like a real central narrative but you've still got little things like not just open face who's kind of a who like i liked i thought was a pretty good villain (laughs) yeah but you've also got his crew and each one of them is like a funny (laughs) central thing i loved all of their all of their nicknames yeah Yeah. gravy breath and milk mustache who's like always seen drinking milk like yeah. even in other scenes he just has a milk carton yeah uh ink stain who seems to be kind of his second in command he always right. talks to ink stain because inks ink stain's pen always explodes hence his name yeah, yeah audi uh um, yeah butt stripe yes <laughs> who always has mud on his butt from riding in the rain yeah <laughs> they, had, they had to explain yeah. that part of it yeah <laughs> so didn't get the wrong idea yeah but uh yeah, uh, so I like I like those little details. I thought like Open Face's plan with the squid was such a weird thing. Right, where he's like, hey, he wanted to be the keeper of the squid and like gain all this power over people. <laughs> yeah, and, like he seems like such a manipulative, like sneaky villain, which isn't right. like the kind of thing you see in a lot of kid shows, or at least right. Not... I thought that was a really when I I every time I or every scene he was in, I was like, this is like a really well thought out villain yeah you know and like he i don't think he ever shows up in another one really yeah like he's pretty good but it, i 
I think what happens is they ultimately uh, they cast I forget the actor's name as uh, Endless Mike. And Endless Mike is just, well, number one, that's one of the best villain names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's a kid who, uh, he's like way older than everyone else because he gets held back every year. Right. So he's just Endless Mike. Yes. <laughs> Which is perfect. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, I, I thought this kid was really good too, or oh, open face. I, I mean, and I loved, I loved the description. Uh, like when, when Big Pete was des- describing... Why he was called open face. He always eats open face sandwiches, even in church. Right. Like, like, <laughs> like just that like, little detail. It's even even in church, man. You don't eat open face sandwiches in church. Yeah. Like that like that's such a a, a kid kind of mentality that Well the, like, his sandwiches always sound disgusting too when he <laughs> like the, like liver and like uh oh god, what were some of the ones that I remember yeah. the double ham sandwich. Yeah. Like, that's... Because that was the first one when they encounter When Pete... Or the Pete's encountered him on the street. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm going to... I can tell we're going to be... Or, or I'm going to be here for a while. So, maybe a double open... Or a double ham sandwich. Yeah. Uh, I like the... I like the way that... When he leaves the message for Big Pete to meet him on the field, too. Like, it's just on his bed, and it's an open-faced sandwich, like, attaching him to it. And it's, it's like, the show doesn't question the fact that, yeah. It's like, of course, he just got into the room and left a note. No, there was a crash. Oh, right, right. It makes the noise, but... He threw the sandwich through the window. Oh, I missed that. Which is is insane. (laughs) Even better, really. Yeah, because... There's this sandwich that breaks through a window and just sticks on his bed. (laughs) Because yes, yeah, that's yeah. Op- you know, open face has done this before. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I lo- you know they're again taking like the idea of the bully and all that and mm-hmm. make heightening that. But I kind of like the idea of like all these bully characters are like they're they're not that far from the kinds of kids who would be bullied, except they just like really pushed into whatever their stereotype was. Yeah, you know, like yeah. like yeah. It, butt stripe would you could easily see that character being made fun of for the exact same thing but right. you know he just he defines himself with that yeah. and like uses his power against everyone else <laughs> same with yeah ink stain <laughs> milk mustache and yeah, yeah it's it's clever um there's a bunch of other relatable stuff in this one you know yeah uh, not being sure your relationship with your friend of the opposite sex i loved that (laughs) i like i remember i remember specifically pete and ellen's relationship because that this came out around the time that my best friend was a boy Uh (laughs) and so i was like I mean, I was probably on on Pete's side of things where I we were just friends, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I just thought it was so cool to see another boy and girl friendship that was just friends, you know. And <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at the same time, I was still rooting for them to like <laughs> be right. girlfriend well, and boyfriend. And you you get the impression that Ellen is pretty sure that she likes Pete. And Pete yeah. likes Ellen, but he isn't. He's confused about a lot of stuff. Yeah, and like, he doesn't think about how his actions affect her that way yet. Like, he yeah. just doesn't understand. So, like, yeah. yeah, when he has a crush on the teacher, it's just like, well, you know, nothing's happening here. So why right. would she be mad about it? 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like the way Ellen's handled in this. Like, you know, she's definitely a kid, but, mm-hmm. uh, but like, I don't know. Uh, her reactions seem honest and react, like, like mm-hmm. a kid would react on that, where they'd get mad about stuff, but maybe yeah. not just say it outright. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but at the same time, try to, like, turn it around and impress him a bit, too, <laughs> with, like, the, the trying to count. Count to a million. Yeah, counting to a million, because he's into his math teacher which is yeah. another thing that's like a relatable kid thing having yeah. crushes on teachers and stuff yeah. um i did like mrs fingerwood quite a bit uh or just well go ahead yeah i was i was just gonna say um that she she had a dream that the area of a circle was not pi r squared but pi r to the third and I, being who I am, I had to think about, okay, no, that's the, that's the area of a sphere. <laughs> right. She, yeah. it was just absurd to her that, yeah. <laughs> what a crazy dream. Yeah. But I think that also taps into the way that kids think about their teachers. Yeah. Where like, they're just defined by whatever they're teaching, you know, right. like you don't, especially at a younger age, you don't really think of them as like Having... people with their own lives so much. Right. You think of them as related to whatever subject it is. Exactly. So she's like the embodiment I, of that. <laughs> I love the I loved the description that Ellen always went back to with her, how she knows the speed of electricity. Yeah. <laughs> like that's Not such the speed a, of light. No. Yeah, it's just such a like it's such a kid a, a kid thought about a teacher. Yeah, it's like especially with electricity, nobody knows that like <laughs> yeah um to think oh yeah it's really cool she knows the speed of electricity like she's really smart pete but <laughs> and then she also smells like chalk <laughs> right right and i like that uh it all extends out from the kids too or even mr yeah. beverly refers to her as mathematically pure <laughs> like yeah. that's one of the reasons he likes her yes so uh, like a side note on her uh that the character is played by Sid Straw. All right, I did some research on this because yeah. I'm like, I remember she she was a, somehow connected to like music in the 90s and stuff. Oh. And she was. She's a, she start, started out as a uh, backup singer for Pat Benatar. And ultimately, uh, she got in on it with this band uh, called the uh, Golden Palominos, which mm-hmm. was like kind of a rotating member indie our uh, alternative music band through like kind of the late 80s and into the 90s mm-hmm. so like yeah kind of the latter half of the 80s she was with this band with michael stipe and matthew sweet and uh yeah uh t-bone burnett was in there for a while like all sorts of musicians like yeah. did some early work with the golden palominos and yeah she That's also crazy. just had acting uh, aspirations or dad uh jack straw was an actor mm-hmm. uh so yeah i guess That's i don't know if they knew crazy. her like i don't yeah. know how all these connections worked because we've talked about right. michael stipes in the next episode yeah uh it, i don't know who knew who ooh, like with the how yeah like, whether the casting director or some of the creators were friends with people yeah. in that scene mm-hmm. or yeah. Or if, I, like, they knew Sid Straw, and then Sid Straw knew Michael Stipe, and then they just, like, kept pulling more people in. But, like, as the show goes on, they get so many, like, 90s mm-hmm. musicians and stuff to be involved, and it's kind of cool. Uh, obviously, things that, like, kids would never recognize. But yeah, but... Which I can see why people now are, like, 
would say that it's it was a a show a kid show written for adults. Yeah. You know? But I don't know if it is. Again, like yeah. I, I feel like it's so targeted towards a childhood mentality. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's see, some other stuff I had. I like the little cross cutting scene they had with uh Pete and uh Ms. Fingerwood, you know, not really connecting at the same time that uh Ellen and yeah. Open Face were kinda of having trouble connecting. Yeah. I also yeah. liked Open Face's secret that you don't really hear, but just Ellen saying, like, well, that's a pretty horrible thing to do, pushing yeah. your own uncle out of a plane. <laughs> like, yeah. just, just like, like, she's pretty, pretty okay with it. Like, Ellen's generally not that surprised by much of anything yeah. in these shows. But... Yeah, I love that, too, and how he, like, hid the, the valentine when he realized that he's, like... I don't, maybe we're, we're not connecting. Yeah, yeah, even, you know? even Pete's, you know, yeah. mature enough to realize that, uh, yeah, it, and, he'll never be able to connect with her on something other than math, because that's who she is to him, and yeah. to probably almost everyone, <laughs> the yeah. way that, yeah. even when she finds out that uh, Edna, the squid, is dead, her first question is, well, what was the impact velocity? Right, <laughs> like, right. Um, I, liked, I liked the way that... It, well, first of all, I liked that they played it up that uh, Open Face did trick Pete into revealing the secret. Yeah. Because Ellen didn't tell him. Uh, yeah. But you, they still got that out. Uh, and the and uh, Mr. Beverly's, like, he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> he understands. Uh, I think, I you know, I mean, I think burying it, Edna at the 50-yard line probably right. helped. Well, and and yeah. in the uh, school uniform. Yes. Which yes. I don't even know how you dress up as squid in a school uniform. No. But go and, with it. And, yeah, and humming the fight song. Right. He doesn't know the it, yeah. words either. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. But I loved, I loved Mr. Beverly and how they set him up as somebody who uh, loved creating geometrically correct lines on the football field like right well for yeah know, for Ms. Well, Fingerwood. even yeah um mm-hmm. even without her though because he they said when he was like when they were showing him painting the lines on the field they mentioned it yeah you know yeah but <laughs> yeah they're right for each other then yeah i just like the line out of context from that whole scene that you know your squid is dead I killed it with a discus. <laughs> Without context, that's an insane two sentences to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I always like with the show just the little details that are like kind of strange that it just doesn't question. Like uh, like Pete and Ellen or little Pete and Ellen talk at the end over walkie talkie. Like they just have walkie talkies yeah. that yeah. are connected. I, I love that. It's, it's like, like okay. And that's such a little kid thing. Yeah. Because I remember, um, and we pro- it was probably, maybe we did see this episode um, later on, but I remember wanting walkie-talkies. <laughs> yeah. With, um, with Marcus and, like, had, so we could talk at any time, you yeah. know? I had walkie-talkies, or Paul and I had walkie-talkies, but, you know, they were, like, kids' walkie-talkies. Yeah. It's not like they would go from, like, houses down or anything. Yeah. But we did have them. They are kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love I love all of Little Pete's one-liners. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. I I wrote like, down a list of all those uh, just after both episodes. Okay. But it, but yeah, I love all of those too. Cause yeah, we'll we'll go back to. I didn't write down <laughs> any of them. I, they, I just like, there were quite a few in this one just oh, in one were. scene. Like Will yeah. Pete's not a big part of this episode. No, he's he's not. But like that scene where that scene where they try to torture him by by drawing on his on um, his Petunia. tattoo. That was on the wrong arm. Yeah, you noticed that was a... Yeah. I wonder how you get that wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you walk in... Because the opening credits... Right. Shows it on his left arm. And then in that scene, it was on his right arm. Did you catch where it was in the next episode? Was it on the right arm that time? I don't remember. I. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't either. Right? But it it was probably I'm because not... the opening credits, like the way we're watching it now, and the way that it is online, we're seeing the episodes with the credits. Mm-hmm. But those credits didn't actually exist yet when this episode originally aired. Right. Uh, they were added after the fact, and the version that they have on the DVD and the version that almost everybody has access to now is the one that after they added the credits and started airing it in rotation with the rest of the series. Uh, okay. So. Yeah. So yeah, they I they might not have had it decided, or maybe it was on the right arm, and then they had someone else do the credits, and it was on the left, and they're like, "Oh, fine, it's on the left now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I Who mean, knows? I love I love that that's a thing that that he just has a tattoo. Yeah, and nobody knows where it came from, but he has it. Yeah, it's not really questioned. Yeah. Uh, um, we we watched a few of the shorts, which uh, a lot of them seem to be just lost now and you can't yeah. find them but uh there's a list on the list there's a wiki page of lists of lists of episodes of pete and pete that has all of them and i don't know we watched the ones on the dvds and a couple that were on youtube and yeah one was about petunia the uh the tattoo and how when pete makes her dance uh his mom faints yeah <laughs> but not because he has a tattoo just because yeah <laughs> yeah petunia dancing right so anything else you had on the first episode um, that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think we talked about everything. Yeah. Like, um... Yeah, this... It was an interesting one, because, like, uh, again, you could tell... And with the next one, you can kind of tell that they're coming from a background of, like, these shorts, where they just have, like, all these short-form ideas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, they did a good job of, like, basing it in character and, you know, trying right. to... Uh, like, they, it was pretty well-written. For, for yeah. a first effort at a Nick show. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, what we did on our summer vacation, I think, is one of, one of the most famous episodes of the show. Yeah. Like, Mr. Tasty is kind of like an iconic figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do remember this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, I could never identify with that one because we didn't have an ice cream okay. in the summer. Because this is one that I d- identified with a lot. Well, and yeah. just what it's like in, you know, Midwestern suburb, or like this isn't yeah. Midwest necessarily, but like a suburban. Well, yeah, and I was thinking about that too, mm-hmm. like, because it does, like, driving up to your parents' house. The, <laughs> it that, feels like it, It right? feels like that's, and I mean, for to an extent, like, like Mankato is, would be, has that, has that summertime feel to it. Yeah. We just don't have the ice cream man. Right. I like, gotcha. Yeah, the I we, we had ice cream trucks. We didn't have like what one person we knew as like the ice cream man or anything, yeah. but it was still an exciting thing when you hear the bells start going off. Yeah. You're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> ice cream. And 
Yeah, so, you know, and that did make it feel more like summer. And we had the neighborhood pool, too. So, like, yeah. all the pool scenes are so relatable, having yeah. grown up in that. And, you know, the just the kind of antagonistic relationship little kids have with the lifeguard and stuff. Like, it's totally mm-hmm. on point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked... Uh, I liked Mr. I like Mr. Tasty because it's such a bizarre thing when you like think about it, but just on a human level, it's like yeah. a cool way to like get kids invested in other people and yeah. just like thinking about uh, thinking about or having empathy, I guess, for other people. Right. That's kind of cool. Or yeah. like just that interest into that is something that you don't really see right. in a lot of kids shows and and Ellen in particular is like really emotionally mature compared to a lot of them and like is really trying to right. like she, she does feel bad for yeah Tasty. I mean because she yeah she's the one that that even kind of like Pete and Peter more seem to be more interested in just seeing the pictures yeah. of Mr. Tasty and then she's the one that brings it up well doesn't he look lonely yeah he's he's alone in every one of them yeah. Also, side note, if you opened up a roll of film of, like, an ice cream guy that you know of was wearing that, and then every picture was him in the helmet, it would be terrifying. <laughs> it would be a little creepy, yeah. <laughs> be like, I'd be like, why? wait, no. I, no. Mm-hmm. Like, but, but in the show, they don't, that's not where that, that's not where they wanted to take it, so. Mm-hmm. I also like the, another thing that's not really remarked on in it is that Ellen's, uh, like, uh, photo development hut is just, like, in a parking lot by that's, itself. I, that's what I wrote down. <laughs> I was like, um, I said, like, because her working in the photo booth would be, a, like, a typical summer job for right. a kid. But, yeah, it's in a tiny booth with no bathroom in the middle of a mall parking lot. <laughs> and, like, you see the one, like, the one scene where a car drives up and just gives her a, a yeah. roll of film. And you don't even, there like, there's... It doesn't even seem to be like there's any room for like the photo development equipment. Mm-hmm. Like it's just her sitting in a room and then yeah, yeah, you know. it's true. You don't even know how she really would develop yeah. it. It's like broad daylight. Yeah, <laughs> there's not like a dark room in this little hut or anything. Right. But yeah, yeah, it's so bizarre. But so. But again, something that, that the show doesn't even really make a point of because nope, they wanted it to like, look like a, you're, you know, what you think of like a summer job, like someone yeah. being mostly outside dealing with heat and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, like it, it reminds me now of like Arrested Development's like banana booth. It has yeah. like a similar thing where it's just one person in this booth handling it, but it's like developing film. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's pretty um, good. I loved the beginning when they were talking about when summer begins and yeah. ends and how, um, for for Artie, because they bring in Artie. Yeah. This in this episode, and how um, summer begins when he starts to fight the killer bees that come up from the Yucatan. Right. And it's like, <laughs> and, and ends with him and little Pete fighting the ocean. Yes. Yeah. And I love like, the fighting the ocean bit. Yeah. That's one of my favorites it's like, from the show. Yeah. <laughs> Is Toby Huss like? really gives it his all in every scene as I Artie. mean, he, like, I have now, I, I am down on my notes that he's a killer character. I mean, he's just, like, he makes those scenes that he's in. Like, yeah. They're... Yeah, he's awesome. And yeah. he's, uh, like, he's playing a character who, like, if 
he wasn't that crazy and that much of a cartoon would be a little weird. <laughs> yeah. He's like this older guy in spandex who hangs out with children as their yeah. superhero. <laughs> and like, right. There are things I've heard, I think, on the commentary where like Nickelodeon would get in, uh, get like a little uncomfortable with like his bulge or something and he'd have to put on extra underwear. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I noticed that in this episode. There was like one scene. It was when he was fighting the... the... The woman with the the cigarillo and the, the oh yeah oh um, in the short huh in the short where uh, where oh, she oh yeah, yeah. was in oh yeah so there's an already strongest man in the world short we watched before all this I, yeah. that's online you can look it up um and like it's very there's very clearly a large bulge down there <laughs> when he's like standing out like right. a superhero right and it's like it's like I didn't know what that. Like, I, I didn't put two and two together when I was a little kid, but... <laughs> but it's a little weird. Yeah. Huh? But, yeah, Artie, Artie's fantastic. Uh, oh. Like, it, just his facial expressions. Like, he's never holding the same fit expression or pose for more than, like, a second or two. Like, right. he's always moving and changing. Yeah. And it's and... totally bizarre. And he, there's a... I don't want to talk too much, you know, about season two or anything, but, like, there's a two-parter about like him and Pete that's just great like it, it gives he has so much more to work with and yeah like it, it's a really sad episode but it's wonderful I think I remember that episode mm-hmm. farewell my little viking yes <laughs> it's really good uh yeah. anyway um, yeah it, Artie's a lot of fun in this one yeah like he'd been in the little shorts but only really a couple of them so like mm-hmm. this was the most they'd had him do really since then but yeah yeah that that uh beating up the ocean thing was another part that well and like the fighting the bee they're both ideas that you could you could, you could see that they were like the short yeah they they pr- probably started life as a short yeah and uh the same with uh little pete's war against the lifeguard i feel like that's mm-hmm. something that very well could have been a little minute short for Nickelodeon, like between commercials right. or uh, uh, their dad finding the Cutlass Supreme with a metal detector. I absolutely love that. <laughs> it's really good. Like, yeah. You, like, number one, how do you find an entire car in the sand? And number two, how does it, how is it in perfect working condition? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. And they just get it, like, after a few minutes, they've just buried the car. Right. It's like, oh, it's our car now. We found it. Right. <laughs> it was in the beach. <laughs> and uh, I also love their dad's, like, little song on his way home and <laughs> talking about dad's beautiful voice. Well, yeah. It's just like, oh, we've got the windows. <laughs> dashboard. And yeah. Cut the stream. <laughs> yeah. Just mumbling and improvising like a half song. Yeah. It's something you do. It is. It is. (laughs) And I also like how Ellen is like totally disinterested when they tell her. Or she's just like, oh, well, uh, what do you do today? Uh, Oh, we, you know, we found a Cutlass Supreme on the beach. Oh, cool. Any luck finding more? (laughs) That's just like a thing that happens. Because, yes, that that is in this world a thing that happens. People find cars in the beach all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fortunate. Yeah. Good day at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the beach scene, the the guy who sells him the sledge sickles, Michael Stipe of REM, Mm -hmm. which I mentioned a little bit uh, in the last episode that, yeah, they get a lot of different alternative 
musicians to be on the show. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Vandeveer. Vandeveer, like the blind millionaire who calls Mr. Tasty Leonard. Yeah. She's uh, played by Kate Pearson of the B-52s. Okay. <laughs> Just randomly in All there. All right, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just impressed and amazed by all of these musicians that are in this show. Like, Yeah, and like, like it wasn't that much of an established thing at this point. Yeah. Like they'd been going for maybe a year with like the shorts, but mm-hmm. the it's not like... It's so not like this thing that to... people jumped onto a bandwagon for. Like, this was right. before it was officially a series. Yeah. And they have all these people on there. It's kind of cool. Um, according to the internet, this version or this episode originally had a bunch of music, like, by fairly big bands. Like, uh, R.E.M. Really? did music for it. Ministry, which is like a metal band. And uh, Baby Flamehead, Poi Dog Pondering, Jody Grind, and Shack Wacky. None of which I'm that familiar right. with, but I am familiar with R.E.M. and Ministry. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that version is, like, anywhere out there anymore. Damn. Because, like, this this version was the one that they aired in rotation with the series. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was before all that, but, yeah. Like, yeah. they, I, so I think they replaced all the music. I don't know why. Like, maybe it fit yeah. with the rest of the series aesthetic or something. Maybe. But still, I'd, I'd like yeah. to see that version. Like, I know. I wish that was out there. Yeah, I, I think that's crazy. They have so many different musicians that were into it. Uh, I I thought this was kind of a technically am, more technically ambitious episode than the first one for like like it was still really low budget, but you could tell yeah. that they're trying things like stylistically. Right. Like you know. Like, it, well, go ahead. I was gonna say with the the hot summer days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's all all the filters. And you can tell that that's not something that they were able to do in post. It was something yeah. that they had to shoot for. Because yeah. you know they were all they were shooting on video, I assume, mm-hmm. and it was uh, this is before you could just like load it up and like throw it into After Effects or like just adjust your, uh, the color right. on the editor. Like you really had to get that on on the video. Mm-hmm. So they they probably just altered the white balancing and got a warmer shot. And like yeah. I I wonder if that was inspired by Do the Right Thing, uh, Spike Lee's movie, mm-hmm. which was just a couple years before, but. It's yeah. known for that. Like, it, yeah. it, it, the whole movie is supposed to feel like it's taking place in just, like, this oppressive heat. And all the characters mm-hmm. are hot. Like, it's all it's all off-colored to, like, warmer hues and stuff. Right. So I wonder if that that was, like, maybe, n- maybe not that, an homage, but them I mean, going, that was a cool idea. Like, right. We'll use it here. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, like, there's real little subtle things, too. Like, I liked with Pete's first... Uh, or Big Pete, when he first was talking about summer, like, the camera's real slowly moving in on him. Like, they're taking taking advantage of camera movement a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a number of technical difficulties in it, or just little things that I pick up on. And, okay. and like, the same with Valentine's Day Massacre. Like, there were a lot of audio issues in that one, where, uh, like, you could tell, like, the the windsock wasn't totally working, or it was, like, yeah. but, like, there's a lot of you know, white noise and stuff, or, like, the room noise was a little overpowering versus what they probably wanted, and, uh, like, some of the voiceover stuff in this episode, Mm -hmm. like, sounds different than what they're saying on set, like, Mr. Tasty's voice was very obviously recorded elsewhere without, like, all the extra variables, so, like, when he talks and then little Pete talks, like, just because I've run into these issues before, I can tell that they're like, okay, 
we have to slowly try to fade the sound into like the louder one and then back but yeah. you know it can be a little jarring if you're paying attention well i mean i thought those sort of technical issues um they well they i didn't notice them as much just because with mr tasty you've got this huge head on mm-hmm. that it well, sounds sure. like something that it would Maybe, but but not just him. Like the just from camera cut to camera cut, you mm-hmm. can tell that the not, kind of the white noise is different. Like the yeah. room tone is different between when they're shooting him and they're yeah. playing his yeah. re- audio recorded later versus when they're doing that. It's not a big deal. No. It's just an interesting thing to me. Going like, okay, this is clearly like this is a team of people who were hired to do these little shorts for Nickelodeon Mm -hmm. for the hell of it and then they were popular enough that they're doing this but they're still like figuring it out kind of as they go they're not like technical experts necessarily it's right but uh, that's part of the show's charm I think is that (laughs) like it's it 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 doesn't feel like it's overly formed or like you know it doesn't feel like you have a committee of people like really working on it it's just from the heart of like these people um, Excuse me. Another little technical thing was uh, the scene when what you mentioned before, where you've got like the warmer color. Mm-hmm. Uh, one scene, Artie pops up and then he jumps out of frame into the next part where he climbs the tower, oh, and the yeah. color scheme totally changes yes. between shots, and yes. it's like really noticeable. But it but it was probably one of those things where because I've done it too, where it's like you shoot one scene thinking okay, this is going to be like a warmer, or I want to offset the color because I mm-hmm. want it to give it to this, give it this look. Then when you're shooting the other scene, you don't even think about it. Or like, right. or maybe you've already shot that scene before you thought about the other part and didn't think about how that they would like mm-hmm. play next to each other and stuff. But, yeah. But it's interesting. <laughs> what else did I have in here? Oh, I like how the Hoover Dam in both these episodes is like, somehow positioned as like this really romantic thing okay i remember the one in um in valentine's day massacre yeah where uh open face is telling is telling ellen that she's more beautiful than the hoover dam you're as lovely as the hoover dam Um, and uh also that's where pete's mom and dad had their honeymoon the hoover dam right so it's just funny like it's and that that's the hoover dam is just a really big thing in pete and pete for some Mm -hmm. reason like uh, the later on in the first episode, I think that's where they're driving to, or that's where their trip is to the Hoover Dam. Huh. I think. Where uh, in that which one? In uh, the first official episode of the series, the one where they hmm. go on the road trip, King of the Road, and uh, I I want to say it's also it uses imagery in other episodes, but none are like yeah particularly coming up right now. Is there anything else you had in this episode? Um, I just had the pedisms for both of them. <laughs> yeah, let, let, give me the pedisms. Okay, yeah. Um, so in Valentine's Day Massacre, we had take a sponge bath, hammerhead, <laughs> and uh, what do you blowholes want from me? Blowholes is one that Pete likes and uses a lot. Yeah. Uh, bite the wind and suck chowder, musclehead. The last one being from uh, the summer vacation episode. Yeah. I, it's I, always bite the wind. No, no, that was uh, that was Valentine's Day Massacre. That's really? the last thing he says to open face. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I thought it, I thought it was <laughs> one that he said to the lifeguard. No, but I I love uh, like just throughout the series how 
uh, Danny Tamborelli, even as like this little kid, is so good at making those like insults sound like he means it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he might as well be swearing for how much he means that right. you know, <laughs> hammerhead. Like it means nothing really, but like but he his, means it. His intent behind it yeah. gives it that power. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. It's yeah. Uh but yeah, any anything else yet or last words about <laughs> Um I don't I don't think so. I just think I I was curious to see how well this show holds up, mm-hmm. and I think it—I think it holds up really well. Yeah, and these are it's... still really early examples. Yeah, they're, like there's like, still there's still some awkward or some like cheesy bits in it and stuff. Right, but, but I mean compared to compared to the kids' stuff now, like a lot of it anyway. Yeah, I mean I think this is. It's stuff that that kids would get and parents would enjoy. Like I wouldn't mind watching Pete and Pete on repeat. Yeah. Like it it's it's interesting. I remember talking with uh Will Light briefly about all this mm-hmm. and like my position being like we grew up during a really great time of like kids programming yeah. and like modern day not being as interesting for that and be like, well, you know, you just remember the good ones and like now there are uh, they're good and bad and it like he was right to a degree. Yeah. Because, like, you know, we we watch Adventure Time now, and that show's great. Yeah. And I hear about other shows, like, a number of other shows that are very good. It's just, then we also see all these, like, crappy, like... The crappy kids Disney... Kids sitcoms and... Like, yeah. I think the thing, like, this, that strikes me the most, when, um, we mentioned it, I think, yesterday, was that, um, like... I loved the Lizzie McGuire show. Uh-huh. And maybe I was too old for it, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I loved it when it was on. I wasn't judging you. I just, I, I remember at the time feeling um, like I was too old for it. And you were also a boy. I was, was a boy. very clearly a girl's show. Uh-huh. But you watch things I've seen, I have sat through so many new Disney Channel, like, TV shows uh, that now that are just so ridiculously childlike, mm-hmm. like even worse than the Lizzie McGuire show. Well, yeah. Like I think it's I don't know. But it, like I I guess the thing is that there was a lot of garbage when we were kids too that just nobody really thinks about or remembers, or yeah. things that you know like we built up or loved as kids that like don't really hold up that well. Mm-hmm. But. What I would say is that Nickelodeon during, like, when we were kids was something that does, like, there is not really an equivalent of that for modern day kids. Not right. uh, not just, like, not necessarily in yeah. terms of quality. There are really good kids shows out there. Yeah. But Nickelodeon was such a weird thing where it was still a startup. Nobody really knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So they were taking so many risks and trying so many weird projects that modern Ren day... Ren and Stimpy? Yeah, Ren and Stimpy. And I mean, even like, something like uh, Rocco's Modern Life is I like... I loved Rocco's mm-hmm. Modern Life. But they were trying things like Clarissa, which also, you know, spoke to kids, like, yeah. kind of as... Like, it, they always treated kids with respect in those shows, and they didn't talk down to them necessarily. Right, yeah. And it, that's... That's something a lot of shows don't really do that well now. Or or yeah. it's just, like, dumb, over-the-top stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah like pete and pete's a great example of a show that's like trying to have a like converse with kids but not like not just talk down to them or moralize to them or anything Mm -hmm. like it's different yeah (laughs) anyway um yeah i think that's all i have yeah uh hope you enjoyed our first episode of this uh or of uh the pete and pete series yeah. Uh, we're going to keep going through them. I think next week we're going to do uh, uh, Space Geeks and Johnny Unitas and Apocalypse Pete. All right. Uh, they should both be available on YouTube. Yeah. Um, for If you're watching on the DVDs, it's kind of weird because Space Geeks and Johnny Unitas is on season two's set and mm-hmm. uh, Apocalypse Pete is on season one's. But it, again, if you're on YouTube, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, then we'll only have one more special left before we get into this official series. Right. So thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. See you next week.